Hey, everybody. We are here with a very special episode today talking about the topic of outreach. And I'm also going to give you my review of the new and on fire movie, Jesus Revolution. I went to see the movie this week. Fantastic. Really incredible. Um, And I'm not just saying that. Blown away. I'm going to tell you all about it. But uh, before we do that, I have... Two extra special guests with me today. Of course, we have uh, our regular special guest, and he's very special, the one and only Don Medicus. So uh, here is Don. And I'm stuck and in a corner if, over if here. Look, there you go. Uh, there's, there's Don. Uh, so he, he's, he's usual. But we also, if you're looking at the whole room right now, we've got two extra special guests with us today. We've got Pastor Rolando Rojas with us. He is from Spanish Evangelical Church on, what would we say, the east side of Youngstown? Is that accurate? Okay. And that's pretty cool. And then we also have his lovely wife, Ruth Rojas, and she's in the co-host chair. Hey, that's, that's the co-host chair. Uh, Pastor Rolando is in the guest chair. And then, uh, of course, we have Don. Don, you want to just wave to everybody again so that they know you're here? I'm right okay. over here. He is. I'm hiding. So uh, this, is, this is proof that I don't have Don tied to the chair because he says this every week that I have him chained to the chair. But now you know. Thank God for chain cutters. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, Basically, this uh, this new movie's come out. It's called Jesus Revolution, and I've got some pastor friends uh, local here that have uh, a history of, of outreach and, and trying new things uh, from a pastoral perspective to try to reach a community, because really that's what we do as pastors, is we're always trying to reach people. We're passionate about the gospel. We're not ashamed about the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Amen. So we want to share that. We want to tell people. Um, we're always trying to think about how to enlarge the circle. It's just kind of in our nature as people. And sometimes we do crazy stuff to try to make that happen, right? Because we're just kind of possessed with the Holy Spirit. And so we want to share God with people. We want to share the good news with people because we've been transformed. You know, when we talk about the subject of outreach here, uh, it really hits home. Yeah. Uh, It's something that I have deep within my heart, especially since God began to uh, revive me and to renew my, my walk with him. Um, we pastor on the east side of Youngstown, and uh, about 11 years ago, uh, we were doing church in Metro Assembly over on, uh, on the south side. Ah, I remember those days. Yeah, Pastor Al Yano. And uh, we connected with him and uh, another pastor who pastored here in Boardman, uh, Unity Baptist Church, and that was uh, Pastor Rafael Cruz. Yes. Uh, we met up at a pastor's meeting, and uh, we just hit it off. Uh, very, very uh, exciting what came from that meeting. Uh, Pastor Al, Pastor uh, Rafael Cruz uh, was basically doing the same thing that we were doing over at uh, Spanish Evangelical. And uh, we decided to uh, just join forces and uh, go out and reach Youngstown for Jesus. And, and so... Um, and this was the, uh, the beginning of, uh, I guess, what we came to call now Youngstown, what we right? call now Youngstown. Okay. Yeah, we were able to bring our resources together, manpower, volunteers, and whatnot. And uh, each one of us had our connections with the city, different organizations, and uh, we just pulled all that together. And uh, we were able to form now Youngstown, which is uh, reaching Youngstown for Jesus now. Yeah. And so each church was revived. You see God moving in a 
powerful way in each one of these churches because of uh, the outreaches that we've done. Yeah. Uh, now, Pastor Ruth, anything to add to that? Well, I enjoy being in the streets and really connecting. A lot of times um, they have no clue as to what we have experienced all our lives. And so it's, it's fun. I usually address uh, in a very illustrative way. Uh, when I speak to children, I'll try to bring as many things that would be eye-catching. Oftentimes we'll bring a diamond yeah. to refer to uh, us being valuable. And uh, I remember one time doing the story of Zacchaeus and bringing this ladder out and climbing up to give the impression that Jesus was passing by yes, and yes. Um, how desperate he was. So, in doing that you see the smiles sometimes you see you can see the need you can feel it and there is that ability to just give a hug when possible um i, I enjoy being in the in the in the community and serving in that fashion because you don't really know um what they're going through but a lot of times they're just waiting for that for for that encouragement for that smile so um i think we are encouragers ready to encourage excited about what god is doing bringing light into darkness and uh, we have to show that we have to kind of you know be giddy and loving and and a lot of people just need to laugh and smile and take that stress off of them so that outreach just gives you in an informal setting to bring God in a very practical, simple way. It's just about love. Amen. Yeah. So now Youngstown would kind of, the idea was to kind of go against some of the violence that was happening in the community at the time. So we had, uh, I know that a lot of the, the networking that, uh, you know, y'all did was in conjunction with the mayor and, and the local police and, and all, all these different things. And so like, um, so again, the idea is the church, um, sometimes I like to say the church militant, yeah. the church marching, the church doing its exactly. you know job, just like you see Old Testament Israel doing, um, but sh- sh- spreading the love of Christ, uh, spreading the gospel, um, bringing peace. It, the, 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 a big part of these were the increase the peace rallies. Exactly. You know, that was a big yeah. part of it. So during the summer months, we would go into these neighborhoods and you know we'd have a, a gospel message. We'd have... Uh, testimonies and and singing, you know, praise and worship music and and the games and all the things you were mentioning there, Pastor Ruth. And we had upwards to 12 to 14 different outreaches in the summer. Yeah. uh, Excluding what we would have for Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah. And the stats that we have, we had an average of 82 to 85 volunteers at every outreach. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot of excited. Uh, it was people. a big to do. I I know when I was there, I would. It was it was very it was big. I mean, you'd, you'd pull up and there's cars, you know, all the way down the street, and then the you know big bounce houses for the kids, all these different things, and it was a, a collection of churches coming together to do this. Um, and and one of the things that that fits into I think the Jesus Revolution movie, some of the the Jesus movement, which we'll kind of segue into that in, in a couple of minutes here, but um, is, is this idea of going to sort of the unreachables now, you know in in the sixties, the, the hippies and their bare feet and all of that stuff, they, they were the, they were the unreachables were the people that, um, uh, you know, people didn't want to re- uh, just kind of castaways, cast offs and the, the increase the peace rallies would go into some of these hot spots. I, I think that was the way the locations were chosen. Correct. I mean, it was like a map. I remember the, uh, the police chief had a map of the, of the hot spot crime areas. Exactly. Yeah. And then you'd go into those areas. Mm-hmm. Your church is is right next to us, uh, basically a, a, a large uh, complex yes. uh, where I mean you kind of had the same mentality. Yes. 
there. So Chuck, Chuck Swanson, who worked uh, for the police force back then, uh, together with the police chief, we would have normal uh, or regular meetings with them. And uh, we would ask them where were the hot spots, where was more of the violence at during the year before. Yeah. And so we would go into, into those areas with all the pastors that had the same vision and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah, our church is, uh, is located on the east side, and uh, we purposely build a, a church structure right across the street from a housing project, which is called the ESA Apartments, okay. uh, right off of Keystone Avenue. Uh, I remember in, in some of the pastor's meetings, uh, some of them questioning and doubting why we would want to build across the street from a housing project. And it's said, a new, brand new building too, right? I mean, your church is a, building, a yeah. brand new building. Yeah, we're there now 10 years. Or I mean, it's, it was, it was yeah. new at the time. Back then, yeah. <laughs> date and, myself uh, a little bit there you know we're actually looking within five years to build a a uh, a regular size bigger size building wow temple. praise the lord yeah. man and uh a community hall for the area as well yeah. uh so we purposely built there because there was a lot of violence back then 10 11 years ago uh that was a hot spot for yeah. the city yeah. I, gosh I, it just shows you you know the i think the heart of of ministry the heart of ministers pastors um, the church to try to reach people. Uh, I think a lot of times church people get flack. The church gets flack. I was you know, listening to a guy kind of rant the other day talking about how the church has money and doesn't do that. My experience with the church is that the church has a huge heart. That pastors, I mean, sometimes, gosh, do things outside of, not only outside of their comfort zone, but, but, you know, putting themselves at risk, putting themselves financially at risk, giving up things like retirement, uh, their own personal security in order to reach people for Christ. You know, that's, that's my experience with, uh, with the church. Sometimes, it, to be honest with you, it bothers me a little bit when I hear people kind of badmouth the well, church, especially know, outsiders, because I think it's, yeah. it's just, it's really coming from a point of not knowing and being a little disingenuous. You often. Know, and, I, and I think that uh, we're living in a time where there's a lot of indifference in the churches as well. Yeah, uh, I think there's a reason why some people speak that way about churches, uh, because we're just too relaxed. Uh, our church was uh, never the way it was today. When I came to pastor our church uh, 23 years ago, our church was very inward focused. It was a very selfish church. Uh, they had no social or outreach agenda whatsoever. And so when we got there, we knew that we were in, we were in for the long haul. And it took us about seven years uh, to really start to begin to change our church because it was extremely self, uh, self-focused. Yeah. And uh, they didn't love the community. That, I mean, I couldn't, can't say it any other way. Yeah. And so today it's totally the opposite. One yeah. of the things that I, um, as a pastor's kid, as pastor's wife. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, you're a pastor's kid too, huh? I'm a pastor's okay. kid. All right. Dad you're was, a pastor's kid, a pastor's wife, and a pastor. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> but anyway, um, one of the things that we, it was very important for us is always to live in the community that we serve. I come from the Bronx, Fort Apache, during the time of Teen Challenge first coming up. So coming to the Youngstown area, it, it wasn't something new. Um, but these are my neighbors. These are the people that I go to the store. I see my kids that I see at school. So uh, it's important to me to relate with them and that, you know, I care for them. They're, that's my community. I want my community to succeed. I want my neighbors to succeed. Yeah. And I think that's a very important part is being 
uh, involved in a very personal way. It's not like I, you know, pack up my things and go elsewhere and, and forget. No, I'm there day in, day out. And so I am aware, uh, and that's why the food programs, and I know, you know, the hungry, that I can see it firsthand. And sometimes in those opportunities to talk with people as they um, become more transparent, you'll find out there's a lot of need and, and the church needs to be able to, on a personal level, if that if they see that need, it's not to run to the pastor and say, hey, so-and-so has a need, but it's for them themselves. That's God's opportunity for you to grow. Any success stories, either of you, want to share about your, oh, your church? You go first. We've had a lot. You know, there's a, a Bible portion in Matthew that I've been uh, stressing on a lot in the past years. And it speaks about Jesus when he went out into the community. Yeah. Bible says he was teaching, preaching, and he was healing all types of diseases. And the Bible says that when he looked out into the multitude, he was moved with compassion. And that compassion had him serve uh, the people. He then turned his attention to the disciples and he says, look, the harvest is plentiful. And yet the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers. You know, I'm often asked, and I don't say this in any, for any other reason but to say the following. I'm asked many times, what is it that God is doing in your church? And I say, God is doing great things. We're in revival right now. <laughs> uh, we are a Pentecostal church. Last year, we had 39 baptisms in the Holy Spirit. This year, we started out with another 12 baptisms in the Holy Spirit. We've had four uh, baptism in waters last year. We started one this already this year. We're moving on to another one next month. These are newly uh, born-again Christians that are mm. coming to Christ. Praise the Lord. And the reason I think that this is happening is because our focus is on outreach. We're going out to win people for the Lord. And so God is just transforming our church as we look to others instead of inward. God is just bringing a revival our way. Amen. 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 And I think the infilling of the Holy Spirit gives you a boldness and a courage to sometimes um, take that leap of faith. Uh, one. For me, one of the exciting times was our drive-through prayer during COVID. Um, oh, okay. that yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a, a like, for example, we would pick a site that had an entrance and an exit. It was no time. It was just let them drive in, ask what they want for us to pray for. We pray, and then they go on their way. And it was you would have thought that most people wouldn't have stopped, but there was a lot of uh, people that would open up that would cry, uh, cry, men and women. And then there was the positive side where people would come back and bring us, uh, you know, ice cream or something, and, and the community just embraced it and it wasn't much conversation it was like what do you want me to pray about and we would and give them a hug and you know just uh, let them know that uh, God is with them yeah that, that was it amen you know I'll tell you what I have uh, had so many opportunities either to share Christ with people just coming out of I telling you a simple phrase can I pray with you concerned for them yeah you know, it's not on you, but it's on them. Yeah. How could we help you? Yeah. Amen. So that brings us to this Jesus revolution. It's a revolution that is still happening 2,000 years later, 2,000 years after the gospel was originally preached. We still see it happening. We still see it happening on the east side of Youngstown. We see it happening in Poland, where I'm at. We see it happening all around the United States and around the world. Jesus is reigning. He's in charge. His church is marching, sharing the love of Christ, doing the will of God around the world, feeding the poor, clothing the naked, and giving hope to the hopeless. This is what we do. There was an example of this, kind of an, an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, a, a great revival 
some have said, I didn't realize this, that this might have been the largest revival in American history, which is saying something, considering, you know, the, the history of revivalism we've had in this country, the, going back to the days of the Great Awakening, you know, before America even was a nation. And so uh, this Jesus revolution, they just made a movie about it. If you haven't seen it in theaters already, and a lot of Christians are talking about it. Um, I'm going to talk about it. Um, um, I, I want to kind of dive into uh, the movie, the concept behind the movie, um, and the history, the stuff that it tells us about the Jesus revolution that took place back in the 1970s. So if you don't know anything about work of outreach to go into some of the, you know, high crime areas and into some of the locations where um, it, the unreachable people uh, are. And so, um, and so basically that's the premise that this movie kind of exists around. There was this emerging culture of hippies, a bunch of barefoot, um, I'm assuming, Don, you could tell me a lot more about this than I can. The, I'm, I'm talking about... I was the, never a hippie. You were never... But you know... You, oh, I know what you you're talking about. You know of yeah. the hippies. I mean, you were, you were around back then. Uh, Pastor Rolando, you said that you were uh, a product of, of the Jesus movement. So basically, you have these people who are... Um, they're outcasts. They've... Uh, some of them just, you know, they moved away from their parents. They went about, you know, their, their business... And now you have a struggling church, and he comes, he comes across this guy who just kind of changes his mind about these, these hippies because they're saved. Some of these people are saved. They've, they've come into contact with Christ. Um, and then the fight that he has with the people in his church to actually allow them into the church so that he can share Christ with them. So that gives birth to what becomes known as the Jesus Revolution or the Jesus Movement. Now, I didn't start going to church until the mid-1990s, and by the time um, I did that, and when I I look back on it now, it's amazing to me how much of what I knew and experienced as church was influenced by the Jesus Movement. You know, some of the, maybe the casual dress, you know, some of that stuff. Some of the music, the contemporary music that we have today was very influenced by the Jesus movement back in the, was started of, in the 1960s. A lot of rock and rollers like Larry Norman. Okay. Glenn Kaiser. Yeah. Second chapter of Acts. Uh, all of these people who were back then, music was, uh, was within the church especially, was very conservative. And now you have this Jesus movement, these hippies playing rock and roll in church. Yeah. 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 So uh, culturally, it would have been uh, quite a shock, I would imagine. And so that's, Basically, what this pastor, uh, this Chuck Smith, goes through is he's confronted by members of his congregation, basically, who say these hippies are coming in here with their bare feet and they're ruining our shag carpet. So this was one of the more influential moments in the movie for me was basically this pastor has this moment where he he has through his daughter, he meets this this hippie uh, evangelist, we'll call him, and um he welcomes them into his church, and then all these hippies start coming there. All these hippies start getting baptized. And then this board member comes up to him and says, you know, they're ruining our carpet. Like, you've got to make a choice. Either you're going to um, choose them or you're going to choose me. And there's just this real powerful moment. You're expecting him to kind of announce that the hippies can't come to church anymore. And instead, you see him washing the feet wow. of the people as their end. The one who is thirsty, come. But the one who desires, 
take the waters of life freely. This place, it is yours. Place today. You're misunderstood and judged. This is where you belong. If you feel ashamed or trapped in something you've done or are doing, you will find forgiveness and freedom right here. So just, uh, I I mean, honestly, I I think you guys probably were as moved as I was watching that. And um, really, really something, the the way that they did it, the fact that the the hippies were struggling with not wearing their shoes, and and it's it's messing up the carpet, shouldn't say they were struggling with it, but the people in the church were struggling with it because it's messing up their carpet that they paid for, the people that paid for the carpet, which is important too. We need people to pay for the carpet. So thank you for tithing to your local church. But like... uh, you know, just powerful the way they fit that in. I was like, just literally, I swear, I'm thinking of myself as a pastor and all the things I've done to try to reach people um, over the years. W- one of the things that we did uh, at the church that I was involved at for uh, several decades was we did a kids theater program at one point when I was leading the church, and we were trying to reach the community. And I remember some of the struggles that we went through with the members of the congregation who, you know, didn't like the fact that we were bringing people into the congregation. And, you know, they would say this, you know, you're, you're bringing people into your house and you're not let, you're letting them do whatever they want. And um, all, all I could think of was my desire to reach other people. And that's why I say pastors, Christians oftentimes just do crazy things to reach other people. And, um, you know, here's a couple of quotes from the movie that I thought just were, were really interesting. Um, this, this is according to Lonnie Frisbee. His first name is Lonnie, by the way. I don't know why I was having a, you know, kind of like a brain freeze there, but, um, my, my people, what's that? Age? age. It's A. It definitely is age. Yeah. It's my name. Age. AJ. (laughs) He's 44. (laughs) And there's my dad joke. Uh, but uh, people, so this is Lonnie Frisbee talking to uh, the pastor, uh, Chuck Smith, and he, and he says to him at his kitchen table, he says, my people are sheep without a shepherd. They're looking for all the right things in all the wrong places. And as he's telling him these things, he's, they're juxtaposing Greg Laurie, who's, um, who's, who's a, a pastor of basically a megachurch in his own right. He's been a very influential pastor in America. I used to listen to him on the radio all the time. I didn't realize he was kind of got his start in the Jesus movement, and he got his start here. With He's in the movie. I mean, the movie kind of centers around his journey to faith, and he's saying that they're looking for, they're asking the right questions and looking for all the right things in all the wrong places. And then he says to him, your church that's a door that's shut. That's the, that's the statement he makes. Wow. And so, you know, as a pastor, when I was thinking about some of the times that I tried to initiate outreach with my congregation, um, and, and even now with a lot of the things that I do now, I feel like a lot of people don't understand the ministry that God puts in your heart, the call, calling that God puts in your heart. Only you can really ultimately understand it, and, and it's not to another human being that you're accountable to that vision for. Um, what are some things that you think are important? Have you ever seen any barriers to outreach, I guess, in your context? Can you relate with this? When you, when you hear about the Jesus Revolution and you see this group of hippies, have you ever seen any of that in a church context? 
Oh, a lot of times it's like we had to swim upstream to uh, change the way things were back in the day. And we had people that just didn't want to hear about it. They didn't want to know. And to me, it was like we're like self-contained. And it's like you work at Walmarts and only the Walmart people are buying the stuff. Yeah. I mean, it only goes so far. And that's the way I look at it. And even like today, I think with COVID and the way the economy is, I think God is shaking the church and saying, come on, get out of the pew, get out of the seat, get out there, start talking to people, start showing more of Christ. They need to see the realism in our face, realism in our voice to know that we're not some exclusive club, that we are for Jesus Christ and that they need jesus christ in their life yeah amen amen how about you guys any uh uh either pastor rojas either one of you there's two of you in the room here and any thoughts on barriers to uh outreach that you've experienced well i think that we've forgotten that the church is a spiritual hospital and that everyone um, needs to be able to be accepted as they walk in the doors and that um it is not a social club and that's what it to a certain degree um happens but when you have new converts accept the lord and and kind of stir the pot then all of a sudden everybody can yeah what are we here for and um that is so important because uh different seasons and like you were talking about the 60s and 70s i was in i i grew up in the bronx so that was during the time of nikki cruz and the gang okay so far. okay yeah uh, there's a, so another I, great I, outreach I actually example lived right there in St. the cross of the switchblade yeah well that was the community but the church um you know at first was that fearful um but we you know you just um have to Hang on to the Lord. I remember my husband actually preaching in that area, and uh, a gentleman came at him with a knife. And while he was Holy standing cow. there, and um, but the people in the community stopped the gentleman, so they they respected. So you know you have to be you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to go out there and do it. But in that house, the house also has to become one of embracing, uh, of compassion. Jesus like yeah. and so yeah there will always be somebody who's ruffled yeah but you know we just need to um with compassion keep for going forward and those those that um need to catch on the vision um if the majority is moving in the same uh feel sooner or later they give in they they come and jump on board and yeah. we've seen that Amen. but we've had a lot of barriers everything from culture you know, wearing a dress instead of pants. Okay. Oh, okay. Was, yeah, yeah. That was a big deal yeah. in the in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, what are what are some things you do to, uh, I guess, to resist to um, to go against that human nature, that tendency to want to uh, build traditions and then cling to those traditions, uh, and then sort of closing the doors of the church in the words of uh, uh, of Lonnie Frisbee. You know, when he's talking to Chuck Smith in the movie there. It's kind of closed the door. I think. I think of Jesus when he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, "You close the doors of the kingdom in men's faces." Like, is there anything that you do as as a pastor to try to go against that? Yeah, you know, I, I think the the most that we could do is is just educate the church, yeah. educate them, and let them know that it's it's about the souls, it's about sharing the love of God. Um, I think one of the greatest barriers that we have today, especially in the world that we live in, people are so comfortable. They have their own goals, um, is a spirit of empathy. You know, Mm. 
they can't empathize with with their neighbor and what they're going through. They see themselves sometimes we get this religious spirit that we're better than them and you know and until they find themselves in a similar situation that everything has gone wrong, they've hit rock bottom, uh, will they begin to see that, hey, we're here to be servants. We're yeah. here to serve. You know, that was one of the things that I, I thought of when I saw this movie is I'm looking and I see all these, um, basically these drug users, these people coming out of this drug culture. It's this this huge revival that's happening. These people, like you said, that hit rock bottom. And, you know, our, our culture in lots of ways right now, I think people are, are hitting rock bottom now. It gave me hope for some of the things that we're currently experiencing culturally, some things that I've really uh, gone above and beyond to try to go against uh, through through campaigns in our community and, and everything, very visible campaigns, trying to uh, thinking about the fact that I have a son who's a teenager and you know we want to try to leave something to our yeah. kids. I, I think we have an obligation to fight against some of the things that are happening uh, at the same time. So there, there is that balance of you know, not embracing the immorality, yet trying to reach the people that are immoral, because we're all immoral. We're all fallen sinners. Um, and so, go ahead, Pastor I was Ruth. just going to say that um, those testimonies yeah. that are presently happening at the moment are some of the things that open up the eyes of those that might be those that are creating the barriers because when they can see a life transform right in front of their eyes yeah. and when we share our stories i think that starts breaking down a little bit of um where we're all at yeah. and there is that it, compassion but i think as god it continues to do these miracles that that is what uh, really changes the church and that's why you need a new uh, new believers in the house of god yeah. because yeah. they're excited they're just receiving something that we have taken for granted and so when we see them change within the house and we let them share and we we learn we also know that they are used in that area because who better to um, witness to someone who's been in drugs than someone who's recovered from drugs. Yeah, there, there is a certain energy, I think, that the new believer brings to the table. Um, and, and it's great when, you, when a church is focused on outreach, like you said, and you see people like that coming in your congregation. Um, it really does energize the crowd. How do we, though, as the church, because I know y'all are evangelical and conservative, I mean, in terms of your biblical values, your commitment to, to biblical values, to, to the Word of God as the Word of God. When I saw what was taking place in the Jesus movement, and I saw how a lot of these people were hitting rock bottom, one of the questions that it brought to my mind is, are there any comparisons that we can make to what's happening culturally today? Because what I think is happening today is you see a lot of churches sort of we're, 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 they are trying to reach people, but they might be doing it by um, saying that it's okay, saying this is okay or that's okay. There are things, honestly, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say God doesn't care whether you, whether you wear shoes to church or not. Yeah. Right? Amen. <laughs> I'm sure there were, I don't know if Jesus had shoes or not. I, I have no idea. So like, but, but there are things when we talk, especially about the LGBT community or other things that we see happening today. Um that are just unbiblical. We, we're living in a, in, in a culture that is becoming very hostile that's right. yeah. to the gospel. A, a lot of it starts with the ideology that's being taught to our children, whether it's being taught that, that we come from monkeys or you know, what, whatever it is, and we wonder why people behave like animals at the end of the day. So it's, it's just ingrained in every element of our culture. So, so some, of, some members of the church, this is what I'm getting at, 
comparing it to the Jesus movement, you see a true revival, people repenting, walking away from sin, finding salvation from, you know, all of the, the, the cult, the drug culture and, and the, all the sexual promiscuity and these kind of things. Can we make comparisons to today? And are there, is there anything that's happening today that's different, that's maybe slightly different than what was happening back then? And, and as Christians, like, you know, um, how should we address some of these issues that we're currently experiencing? Yeah, Pastor Rolando? I, I just started a sermon series today on marriage matters. It matters to God, it should matter to us, and it matters to society. And um, whereas there's a group of liberal believers who would be all-encompassing of whatever belief you have in marriage, whether it's a homosexual, lesbian, yeah. or whatever it may be, we let people know that, A, although we are against sin— we're against homosexual uh, relationships or marriages, but we need to love the person. Mm. And uh, we need to do all we can to embrace the person, but not the sin. And uh, I, I see a great battle happening even within uh, Christianity, uh, whether you have your conservatives or your more liberals. And I think that has sent the wrong message to a lot of facets of society. But I think there's a great, a great movement happening right now where people and the church is standing up uh, for what it believes, for what God says in his word. And as that happens, we see how the Holy Spirit starts to draw people unto God. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you can't really ha- have true salvation if we're not preaching the true word of God to people. Like if, right. if we're not actually telling them, and I think there's this thought process with pastors, they see maybe they're concerned about their churches growing or yeah. a lot of times they, they listen to, you know, the, the rhetoric from, from the outside world saying, Oh, you're being hateful. You're being bigoted. You're being mean. We're just preaching the Bible. That's right. Because the Bible is the only true pathway to salvation. And that is actually the most loving thing that we can do. But in a, in a kind way, like you said, I, I but we have that, to have that piece of it. We can't, yeah. we can't walk away from that. And I think as, that, as you are true to the Word and you preach it as God puts it in your heart and as you know it to be true in the Word, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit inspires that. Uh, I've heard over and over recently in our church that they love what's coming from the Pope, and not only from myself, but the associate pastors and the leadership. Uh, we're concerned about preaching the Word, not any humanistic philosophy or the latest trend that is going on. No, preach the Word, yeah. and let the Holy Spirit take that Word and let it go into their hearts, and you'll see the transformation come about if we're true and committed yeah, to the yeah. Word of God. And, and it, is, it is challenging. You have to have that. Uh, I think you need the Holy Spirit to discern, because yeah. what's, what's the difference what are those hills we want to die on? That's right. We, we don't want people to feel like they have to wear shoes to church. We don't, you know, we, we don't want people to feel like they have to wear a certain kind of clothes or talk a certain way or have, be of a certain social income. Um, in, in the Bible, it talks about how God hates partiality, how he hates us segregating and separating one another. And the Bible talks about how Christ demolished the, the dividing wall, the barrier in the book of right. Ephesians uh, between us as people. But then there are other things that, when we mention them, we ha- we have to preach the word. We have to preach. Uh, I think the Bible preaches morality, and I guess my my thought process is that if we're not, even if you look at the the, the Jesus movement of the sixties, it was a it was a very countercultural. That's right. Movement to uh, when you compare it to the drug movement, to the the sexual promiscuity, and all the free love and sex and all that you know kind of stuff. It was very against, ideologically. Yeah. 
you know, they, they dressed the same as the people that were doing this. They, they listened to maybe some of the same music and they, you know, culturally, you know, if you just look at them on the outside, you might not have been able to tell the difference, but on the inside, they were different. That's right. And they were operating by a different set of rules. And so I guess my thought process is that if we're not, if we're not actually telling people what the Bible teaches, because I think a lot of churches today are, are just compromising yeah. because they're thinking they're going to bring people into the kingdom, what we're actually doing is we're preventing another Jesus That's right. revolution from happening. Does that, does that make sense? You know, I, it certainly do. I, I came from a very legalistic church yeah. or... Uh, the Assemblies of God back in, uh, at least within the Hispanic movement, back in the mid-60s, early 70s, was extremely uh, legalistic. Um, I came to the Lord when I was 16 back in uh, 76. I came from uh, Kansas to Ohio. Oh, wow. And my mother wanted me to get me into church, but the problem was I was a hippie. I had <laughs> hair back to my back. I never bathed. Jeans, the same jeans I wore over and over. I was a true hippie. Yeah. And I came into a context of a church that was extremely legalistic. My mother paid me $20 for every church service that I would go to. Wow. And obviously, since I didn't have a job, I, I don't know how I made it through high school. I went to every church service without understanding what was happening, without having anyone come up to me because of the way I dressed the way I looked. Uh, I went to everyone because I needed to get my nickel bag or my dime bag. I needed to get my <laughs> oh cigarettes, my, my beer that my mother didn't know that I was uh, using. And so I went to church. For, we used to have church four to five times a week Wow, back then. But my mother understood the power of God. And she says, if I can get him into church and so that he can hear the word of God and trust the Holy Spirit to do it, yeah. he's going to come to the Lord. And that's what happened. Uh, about three months into me coming here to Ohio, uh, one Friday evening in a youth service, uh, there was a traveling evangelist that would show movies all the time, and he showed the movie Burning in Hell. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Okay. I remember uh, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. I don't know if it's kind of a similar Something similar, premise. but yeah, Burning in Hell and whatnot. And I, I gave my life to the Lord not knowing or understanding what happened. A month after that, uh, my mother said, why don't you go to a barber just to cut the trims, the split ends of your hair? And I go, yeah, I got to do that because I got to keep my hair nice. I go to this barber, and I didn't know that the guy was half blind. What? <laughs> and he, un he misunderstood what my mother had said to cut my hair to an inch. Oh, my goodness. And he cut up all my hair. He cut all your hair off. I was so He cut it angry. down to an inch. <laughs> but, you know, God used that. For the transformation that had to happen yeah. in my life. Amen. But back then, there was a church who didn't want to hear anything about it. They actually stopped revival from happening in that church. Just well, because how did you, what, what kind of church, or how did you, so this is the AG, I guess, back yeah. in the day. And, and really, that's symptomatic of probably all the churches back, exactly. in, the, back in the day. It wasn't yeah. you know, just them. But like, in terms of your story, where did you end up after that? How did, and how did you end up becoming a pastor? Well, I, I stayed there in the church. And uh, praise God for the youth pastor that was there. Actually, he was an associate pastor. His name was Nano. Okay. Uh, and so he, he took the discipleship class of about four or five young men that he saw that there was a lot of uh, potential in them. And one of them was me. And so uh, 
he just started every every Friday after youth service. We would go over to his house. We would stay up all night, and uh, we were listening back then to Greg Laurie and a lot of these Get other. Out. holy! Cow. And we would imitate how they would teach. We would imitate how they preached, and uh, that's what he used to get us really strong in the Lord. And after that, I got a calling to go to Bible college out in Puerto Rico. Wow! So I mean, you you really are a, a product of I the Jesus Revolution. Yeah, holy I have cow. a very good uh, collection of. Jesus move, yeah. uh, movement. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, that's, uh, I guess that's kind of uh, the, the sum of what we wanted to talk about today is some of these issues that we see brought out in the uh, Jesus Revolution movie. So it's in theaters now. You can go see it. Um, I, I thought it was very well done. That's my little synopsis of it. I know that Christian movies have kind of gotten a little bit of a bad rap over the years for kind of being a little uh, kind of quirky, um, yeah, even a little... I would say theology driven. Yeah. This movie does not feel that way at all. Some of the movies I think that have come out of had a reputation of trying of really preaching more of a theology, which we need. We need we need the theology. Um, but I, I think sometimes when you when it comes across heavy yeah. in a movie, you, you lose just sort of the the emotional piece. You lose the the story. Which the Bible is heavy on theology. The Bible is heavy on story. Bible is heavy on giving us illustrations of the theology. You know, Pastor Ruth, like your your diamond illustration. Mm-hmm. It's it's heavy on the illustrations on teaching us things through these these Bible stories that we see. So, I um, I'm gonna give the movie two thumbs up. And, and I say that even if you're a non Christian, um, don't think just because I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor that you know I I'm giving the movie two thumbs up because of that. I've I've been a critic of of Christian movies to be honest with you, and I. If I'm being completely honest, I didn't have I didn't have high expectations going into this one. If I'm if I'm being real, um, but I I really was blown away. And like I said, in the, that scene with with the foot washing, I was in the theater. I'm not I'm not kidding you. I was literally openly weeping. There was a great story arc. Um, you know, they they did a great juxtaposition for the first half of the movie where they're showing you Greg Laurie's story. And also, sort of simultaneously, some of the things that are happening um, with this, you know, new Jesus movement that's getting started until he kind of comes into a collision with it, and then things, you know, ultimately come full circle. Well, there you have it, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us again. I want to give a special thanks to uh, Pastor Rolando Rojas. Thank you, my friend, for joining us. Thank you for being Pastor Ruth. Thank, thank you. you as well. Thanks and, to be uh, here. So glad that you're there, Don. Thank you I'm as still well, in the my corner. friend. Yeah, you're still in the corner. Want to want to say wave goodbye to everybody? Nobody goodbye, puts, everybody. Nobody puts back in the corner. Baby in a corner. Uh, we love you in Jesus, and uh, if you don't know Christ, thinking about the the, the Jesus Revolution movie—that's what, what it was really all about. Um, I normally finish the show. I'm not going to finish the show giving you an opportunity to receive Christ because I, I do that every time and we're just kind of running over. But I want to encourage you to ask Christ into your heart today. If you don't know how to do that, just leave a comment and I will personally respond to you and uh, lead you down that road and get baptized. That was another big part of the movie is these people were getting baptized. Follow Christ in baptism. Uh, it, it'll change your life. It really will. Following Jesus, there's nothing like it. Be a part of the Jesus Revolution. I will see you next time. Peace out.